That was Mess by Noah Kahan. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. My name is Jake. You're about to hear Season 2, Volume 1 of Anthology very shortly. We're going to be talking about Dangerous Women uh, with a director and writer Eva Howitt. We're going to be talking about getting into character. We're going to be talking about bootlegging. We're going to be talking about School of Rock, Come From Away, uh, some movies that we've seen this week, and there's going to be a live performance as well. So make sure you don't miss it. Stay tuned. Keep that dial on 106.9 Tune FM. We'll be right back with you after this absolute banger.
21 Guns by Green Day. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM and this is Anthology. My name is Jake and I'm joined for Season 2 Volume 1 by Tyrone and Nick. Howdy. Hello there. Well, Tyrone, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hi. Uh, my name's Tyrone. <laughs> I'm a fourth-year theatre student. I just finished my Bachelor of Theatre and Performance and awaiting graduation. Congratulations. Thank you. You also, you do a bit of directing here and there, don't you? Uh, yes, I directed uh, Jake here actually not long ago on uh, Some Explicit Polaroids by Mark Ravenhill. Yes, yes you did. And that was a fantastic experience. <laughs> I'm not going to say whether that's a positive or a negative thing. <laughs> Nick, as well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Kind of the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of theatre students. Yes, I, um, I haven't started my theatre degree. I'll be starting that next year. But uh, yeah, but I've been doing a lot of local theatre. Been in the Armadale scene for about eight years now and done about... 16 shows both like ensemble and stuff like that but yeah that's that's a level of experience in and of itself <laughs> yeah well <laughs> that's a lot more than me it is a lot um we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that actually in terms of getting involved um mm. i think that's something that particularly when you're a uni student up here and you got a lot to focus on how do you get to be involved in 16 shows in eight years uh well it was mostly just for me, it was a case of like joining a group and then sort of talking and networking and sort of like to start off with, it was, um, oh, I'm going to be in a show with this person and this person's in a show later. Hey, do you want to be in this show as well as like ensemble and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. And slowly, slowly getting to know people and um, yeah, then joining more groups and stuff like that. And yeah, just riding the flow. Excellent. And on the directing side of things, Tyrone, how come you got to direct some explicit Polaroids? Oh, hey. Uh, I became president of the Theatre Society here, actually, for the 2019 period. And I was asked uh, last president, I was like, hey, I want to direct this thing because I've got like a whole year that I'm not really doing much study. And he said, yeah, that's cool. Excellent. And then I did it. <laughs> well, the, the moral here is that uh, whether you're at the at Tyrone end of the spectrum in terms of your very experience or at the Nick end of the, of the spectrum in terms of you're all just starting out in the theatre world uh, here at UNE, there's plenty of stuff you can get involved in and it's my job here at Anthology to make sure you know about those things. Um, so first of all, we're going to talk a bit of theatre news. Now, I'm a little bit aware that um, when our Anthology last was happening, which is about a year ago now, which is terrifying, um, <laughs> There, we were talking a lot about Armadale. We were talking a lot about things that were happening here, which is fair enough. We're in Armadale and it's all very exciting having our friends in things and things that we're all going to go and see. But there's a lot of external students. In fact, most theatre students here at UNE are actually external. So um, we're going to be trying to cater to you guys as well. So um, I am going to start with Armadale. We're going to talk about some things that are happening here in the next few weeks. And then we're going to expand and we're going to talk a little bit about Sydney, about Melbourne, and a couple of things happening uh, where some of you guys out there might be from as well. So we're going to start with Armadale. First of all, I'm actually going to this on Thursday night. Uh, if you're interested, the 21st of November, the Sydney Comedy Festival Showcase is on at Taz Hoskins. I'm just going to get the event page up here because I've been procrastinating from doing that. I, I completely forgot that that was a thing. I know that like a few months ago I had saw some advertising for it and was like, yes, yeah. I want to go see this. But then I've sort of just. Well, yeah, it's they, they do it um, every year. 
Um, they bring uh, the Sydney Comedy Festival. I believe Melbourne does it as well a little mm-hmm. bit earlier in the year. Um, they bring a, a bit of a roadshow of the some of their comedians um, out to regional centres. And Armadale's been pretty lucky because having the Taz Hoskins Centre at our disposal, we tend to get that um, mostly every year. So um, this year's show features Northern Irish comedian Mickey Bartlett, Chris Ryan, Daniel Towns, American comedian Joe Schaefer and Tom Cashman. And that's on Thursday night at 7.30pm. Tickets are still on sale, but as you would expect, being only one show, um, strictly limited. So if you're keen, I'd hurry because you might be running out of time uh, there for for that one. Um, the second thing that's uh, coming to Armadale, which is very exciting, and I haven't heard enough talk about it really, we've got Ando coming this week. Yes. Oh, yes. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, Ando is coming. He's actually performing at Lazenby Hall this Saturday night, um, the 23rd. I'm not sure. I, I actually can't find any information about how many tickets are available but they asked there is still a link that you can book them so maybe if you hurry um you can you can get some tickets to that it's his live show of the happiest refugee which is the stand-up slash speaking show based on his best-selling book Hmm. um which would be very interesting uh it'd be good to see we we don't get we get a lot of stuff in armadale but rarely quite so i i do have to say i absolutely love ando because he's sort of He's got that comedic side to him, and yet then he's also got that really serious and sad part of his life. <laughs> like um, the whole painting series that he's done, I absolutely love. Just yeah, just sitting back and watching those. It's. I've he's so kind of come back into my um, sphere of knowledge again because of those ads that are on YouTube at the moment. Oh, <laughs> the um, Barnsy, Farnsy, and yeah. Arnsy ads, which have been. I, I'm normally pretty happy when those ads come on because they're slightly more entertaining than most YouTube ads. But he's done an ad campaign. I'm going to be honest. Is it for Uber Eats or I something like it's that? For Uber Eats. Yeah, where they're um, Jimmy Barnes, John Farnham, and Ando are all there preparing for a, um, a, a some sort of music oh, event, like in a in a band. Yeah, yeah and they're Barnsy, Farnsy, and Arnsy, yeah. which is. I, I've, I find them very amusing. They released a good number of the ads as well, so you didn't see the same ad twice, and it was mm. like, oh, that's, that's good. I like that. Yeah, they've been releasing ones like that for a while with different celebrities, and it's it's always interesting to see which ones they're going to get out of the woodwork. Sort of oh, thing. yeah, there's there's been a Rebel Wilson's done them. They're oh. all over the place. <laughs> Got to love Uber Eats with a bit of a creative advertising campaign. Not sponsored by Uber Eats, by the way. No, no, no. <laughs> Yet, please. Uh, <laughs> Please give us money. Um, So the last thing I'm going to talk about for Armadale just for now, because we are actually coming to the end of the year. I've picked a really bad time to start Anthology again because um, everyone's kind of just winding down and getting ready for 2020. Um, But the last thing that I'm going to talk about before we move on to things that might interest our external students, we have Madagascar, the musical adventure, which is the Taz Junior School musical. Um, Now, school musicals tend to be you know, school musicals, but Taz generally puts on a pretty good show, having uh, the Hoskins Centre at their disposal and quite a, a, a very talented group of uh, creative arts teachers. Um, and so that opens the 27th of November and it runs for four nights. So four days. I think some of them are daytime shows. It's almost certainly going to be a cute event, uh, at the very least. 
I was backstage crew the last year I, I went to Taz. Uh, the last year I was there when I just finished my HSC, I was backstage crew when they did The Lion King. Yes. Ooh. It was a load of fun. They do some really fun stuff. And it's because it's the um, their primary school. All the kids are involved. They're all dressed up as like when it was Lion King, they were all little, like one year group were flamingos and one year group was zebras. And it was it was fantastic. Um, Taz always puts on a great show. They do a number of musicals um, now because, of, of course, they've got the um, school split up into a few different the junior school, middle school and the senior school. So they do, I think, three musicals a year now. Yeah, uh, yeah something like that. Either that mm. or th- two musicals in a play or something. Something like that. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be a good show. Um, I'll give that a plug because uh, Taz will Taz will of course do a good job of that. And because it's local theatre, support all local. Support theater. all the local theatre. No, support the kids getting involved. Yeah, it, exactly. Even if it's even if it's kids, it's lovely to see the talent that we've got in Armadale and the wannabe talent that we've got. It's yeah, we're very lucky. Mm, very supportive. Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna make a bit of a move uh, quickly down. We're going to go to Sydney first. Um, there's a few things happening in Sydney. If you're a musical theatre fan, um, currently playing in Sydney include School of Rock, um, Billy Elliot and HMS Pinafore. So um, those are I, – I forgot to write down which theatres each of those are at respectively, but off the top of my head, School of Rock is at the Lyric. I believe so. Billy Elliot is at the Capitol. And I can't remember where HMS Pinafore is, but um, – you can look those up. They'll be very easy to find because they're quite high-profile productions. It's Hayes Theatre Company. Hayes, thank you, thank you. I follow them on Facebook. I've seen really good photos. Oh my god! Quickly, very quick with the uh, with the with the fingers there, Tyrone. There's <laughs> a couple of events that are closing this week, which is what I thought I'd focus on in the big cities because there is a lot of theatre. We could t- possibly talk about it if we talked about it for the whole show. So I've picked two things that are on uh, that are actually closing this weekend, so um, that you're aware of it and you can get there and um and see it if you if you just weren't aware of it at all so both of these events are at the sydney opera house um and closing this week we have uh sylvia which is uh, a ballet show uh, which is based on uh it's 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 based it's the delibis score and it was um something to do with tchaikovsky and i <laughs> it's off the top of my head uh tchaikovsky was i don't know if you reviewed it or something like that but it's it's a very high profile ballet uh being put on by uh it's in the joan sutherland theater at the sydney opera house uh yes and it runs until this coming weekend so get on with that i was gonna say while we're talking about sydney could i quickly talk about something absolutely please do i was just gonna say um whenever you're in sydney if you're going to any of the sort of bigger productions try and do a little bit of research as well because i know that last time that i was in yeah, last time I was in Sydney, um, I went to this lovely little um, sort of back alley theatre called the Giant Dwarf Theatre, and um, we came across some... Gr- it was a great improv night, and, um, yeah, it was kind of like an improv championship, and it was just, like, yeah, I, I, I other people were planning it for me, but, um, like, planning the whole... Uh, what did you, a whole trip for me... But, um, yeah, just to wander along and see stuff like that, it's, yeah, it's always good fun. I would highly recommend that as well. I went to a, a smaller backstage show after seeing Book of Mormon uh, last year and didn't regret it. I I would say I enjoyed it even more than Book of Mormon. And as an experience, as a 
theater person, I probably did. But Book of Mormon was pretty, pretty damn good. <laughs> of course. Um, so yeah, it was it was a very it was very interesting to go to a, a, a theater on the opposite end of the kind of big glamour spectrum to the lyric and um, see some theater being done very well. The other thing I wanted to point out from Sydney is Dance Rights, which. Um, actually only runs this weekend at um, just outside the Sydney Opera House and it's a celebration of uh, First Nations uh, dance um, with traditional customs, language and contemporary culture. So it's going to feature hundreds of dancers uh, and it's going to be on the Sydney Opera House forecourt. So get along to that. I need to cough. Someone talk. <coughs> yeah. Um, Sydney, great place. Lots of theatre. Um, try yeah, try and look for as much small theatre as possible because there are so many people <coughs> trying so hard in Sydney and also in the other major cities. Uh, Melbourne, I know, is a lovely arts district mm. and yeah, <coughs> it's always got some great people. I'll tell you what, that was very well done, Nick. That was perfect timing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank um, you. We might make a move down to Melbourne uh, just because we've only got a few minutes before I want to... Uh, perfect segue. Perfect segue. Um, just because we've got to move uh, on very shortly. Yeah. I do have quite a few things. I probably won't get to mention all of them with Melbourne. Uh, we will quickly mention the musicals Kiss of the Spider Woman and Come From Away. Um, Come From Away is actually doing a review, so um, get your tickets quickly to that because I do think they plan to move on um, from Melbourne. Or well, they might have already closed and are only doing a review. So uh, check that out. Um, I would highly recommend that. It's one of my favourite musicals in my little playlist. Um but a few things uh, that are closing this weekend. Apocalypse Meow uh, oh is God. at the Malthouse uh, Theatre. Uh, it closes this weekend. Um, the Jew West Arts Festival is on in Footscray this weekend. And uh, Frocking Hilarious at the Alex Theatre in St Kilda. So uh, look any of those up uh, if you're keen for something to do in Melbourne. And uh, just before we run out of time because I'm trying to schedule this show better than I have in the past. Um, a few things that are a bit closer to home if you are here in Armidale, but up from a bit further uh, around the district. Um, Sydney Ballet are bringing the Nutcracker to Port Macquarie on the 15th of December. Um, tickets will sell very fast for that because they are Freaking hilarious. Get I mean, not hilarious, great. Whatever they are. Like, Get in the festive scene <laughs> with the Nutcracker. I, I'm, I was trying to find a really, really excellent adjective and went for completely the wrong genre. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I, it could be. Uh, it, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's a different kind of interpretation of the Nutcracker. It's not hilarious. I apologize to Sydney City Ballet. It's, I'm sure it's brilliant. Um, majestic. And it, majestic. There we go. Um, and it will, I believe, only have one or two shows in Port Macquarie, so tickets will sell for the fast for that. Uh, quick mentions as well of Monty Python Spamalot, which opens next week in Grafton, Ooh. and Chicago, which opens this week in Inverell. So uh, check those out if you're around those areas. And um, we're about to go to a quick song break. It is a musical theatre song. It's, um, we've, we've got to keep a little bit of um, fun for the, for the musical theatre fans. This is a song from School of Rock. We'll be right back with you very shortly. This is You're in the Band. Yeah! Come on in! Come on! Fast, fast, fast! Come in! Come in quickly! Don't let anyone see you! What's going on, Mr. Sneebly? You want to know what's going on? I will let you know what is going on, Little Miss Sunshine. How come none of you told me you could play music? What difference does it make? What difference? I thought you all were a bunch of little douchebags. 
but now I know that you're soul brothers and soul sisters. You, Zach, you ever play electric guitar? No, my dad won't let me. Oh, really? He thinks it's a waste of time. Oh, yeah? Well, let's waste that time together, shall we? Take a hold of your axe and try to pluck out this rip. That's good. That's good. Band. 
That was You're in the Band from School of Rock, which is currently playing in Sydney. So get along if you're interested. We're about to hear an interview that I was fortunate enough to have uh, yesterday with Eva Howitt, who is the director and writer of Dangerous Women, who, which just closed here at UNE. Uh, that was her honours project, and we're going to hear what she had to say about that, and then we'll expand on that a little bit further. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM, and I'm joined by Eva Howitt, who is the director of Dangerous Women, which just closed here at UNE. How are you, Eva? I'm good. How are you, Jake? I'm really well, thanks. Um, So for those who unfortunately couldn't get along, can you kind of sum up what Dangerous Women was for you? For me, uh, Dangerous Women was the coming together of five women from Greek legend to discuss their stories and their experiences and also to try and influence the story of Medea, who, for people who are unfamiliar with the legend of Medea, uh, she kills her children and her uh, husband's new wife after he leaves her for a new woman. Okay, so where did that kind of uh, idea come from? What were you looking to explore through that well um when when my honors supervisor julie uh told me to pick a topic that i could spend a year on without getting bored you know it uh i kind of decided the greeks were the topic for me because you know i've been fascinated by them for years and not not been bored yet so um so when i when I was deciding what about the Greeks to look at, you know, I I have such a fascination with exploring the representation of characters in media. So, like, tropes, archetypes, stereotypes, um, that kind of thing. And um, I think I... I think I'd recently been thinking about Medea and I have a real soft spot for exploring the the softer sides of um, classical villains, I guess. And I thought, you know, what if we had a look at particularly dangerous women from Greek myth? And from there, it kind of just expanded. And an excellent show it was. So you mentioned it was part of your uh, honours degree in theatre. For those who might be yeah. current current students or future students, what exactly is an honours degree? What's that all about? Well, uh, an honours degree is a... I'm doing a Bachelor of Arts with honours in theatre and performance specifically, which you can choose different durations. Um, I chose to do it for one year, but you can choose to do it for two years or three years, I believe. Um, Basically, it's, it's... like a theatre degree on steroids, almost. Um, you, you, it's very, very uh, independent work. Um, you pick a research question and then you spend a year, you know, writing about it, reading about it, and then for theatre we do a creative, creative practice-led research project, which is the creation and development of a performance or a script. Um, some people, I believe, choose to perform instead of uh, write or direct. I chose to write and direct. Um, 
with the direction as part of my my script development, um, as it were. Uh, essentially what happens is you write a 15,000 word dissertation um, on your research project um, and you basically try and answer your research question. Excellent. And so obviously you've done it now. Why would someone or why should someone uh, consider doing honours if maybe they already already are part of a theatre degree or if they're considering that um, in the future? Well, I chose it to expand on what I've already done with my um, theatre uh, experience. So I hadn't done much directing uh, during my degree at uni, um, my bachelor's degree. And so when... I was talking to my supervisor about what I would do after my after I'd finished my bachelor's. She suggested honours as a way to kind of expand on my experience as well as my knowledge. Um, it's really honours gives you a very deep appreciation for the more critical thinking aspect of theatre. Excellent. Um, and so, what's the plan for you from here once you've got your honours degree and um, all this hard work has been wrapped up? Well, actually, um, once, I've, once I've finished my dissertation and submitted it, um, I'm going to go back to the Dangerous Women script and I'm going to kind of rewrite sections of it that I felt didn't work quite as well as I'd like to. Um, and then once I've done that, you know, I'd like to send it out to companies or universities, um, that kind of thing, and see where it goes from there. Well, that's very exciting. Looking forward to hopefully seeing some uh, large-scale productions of it in the future. Um, well, thank you for joining oh. us. <laughs> thank you for joining no us, worries. Eva. Um, that was Eva Howitt, who just uh, finished writing and directing uh, Dangerous Women for her honours project here at UNE. It was an excellent show. And uh, we'll go back to the music now with no, Let I You Down no, we won't. by NF. No, we won't. Don't lie me. That was that was a lie. That was a lie. Uh, in, case you, in case you need context for that, if you need co- t- context for that, we actually did that interview on the radio yesterday. And um, yeah, there was a song after it instead of us talking. Um, so as I mentioned, or I believe we mentioned at the start of the show, um, Tyrone's just finished his theatre degree and Nick is just about to get started. So we're going to talk a little bit about, um, Eva's spoken a little bit about honours, um, and what that looks like and what that actually is. And we're going to expand a little bit on what the theatre degree generally looks like here at UNE. Um, so for someone like Nick Tyrone, tell him what the next three years of his life is going to be in for. Here's how it's going to go down, Nick. Uh, there's going to be some cool acting courses. Like there's going to be uh, the Actors Crafts was super helpful. Gives you talks you through a bunch of different uh, actor trainers and their different techniques, like Meyerhold, uh, Stanislavski, all that sort of stuff. Uh, then you got uh, the script writing. There's only one script writing class, but you can also combine that with like writing electives and whatnot. Uh, and then there's directing classes, which is the route that I took. So you got like you got two of those and you can always expand that into uh, more with units like the uh, 302, 202 and Arts 301, which is all about doing the big production that we do here every year. So this year it was Blackrock that Jake was a part of. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, last year it was Love and Information. The year before that, Spring Awakening. Next year, don't know. Question no. mark, question mark. We never know until the end of trimester one next Watch year. Watch this space. Dot, dot, dot. But, um, yeah, so that's that's generally what it looks like. We were mentioning uh, while we were listening to Eva's interview, actually, that it is changing uh, quite a significant amount since Tyrone went through, even since I've started, and I'm, what, just over halfway through. So um, tell us a little bit about... Um, if you know about them, about the changes that are being made and what it would kind of look like in, in your day, Tyrone? <laughs> uh, I don't know too much of a difference. I don't, So mine was a Bachelor of Theatre and Performance, whereas now it's a Bachelor of Arts majoring in theatre. Which the only difference is essentially it follows the Bachelor of Arts structure and theoretically, I don't actually agree with this point, but theoretically it sounds more credible on your resume because everyone knows what a Bachelor of Arts is, while a Bachelor of Theatre and Performance sounds too specialised. Is that why they changed it? I don't think that's the sole reason, but that's one of the arguments I've heard. That that if you say you've got a BA, it sounds like you've got a better qualification than a more specialised particular bachelor's degree only offered at a certain university. Yeah. So... I personally don't think there's that much of a difference, particularly if you are looking to go into theatre. I think having a Bachelor of Theatre and Performance is probably better than having a Bachelor of Arts in that <laughs> scenario, but that's what I've I've been told. Um, but, yeah, so that doesn't change it too much. It's um, I think there's only... I only know of one unit that's been completely cut out. There might be more, but I don't think so. It was just mm. uh, the uh, 390, which was all about uh, researching... Uh, Australian uh, theatre practitioner and how that works in the real world. So it's all about researching how everything you've learned up to this moment uh, translates to how what you're going to do in the future. Hmm. Yeah. So if you you are you are doing the Bachelor of Arts, Nick. Yeah. Yes, Bachelor of Arts. So in what you what your next three years is going to look like is essentially uh, first year will be a very um, you'll probably just do one ten and one eleven, which will, which are a very speaking public. Uh, speaking in public, possibly. I did that second year. See, I did that try one this year. But um, it, it's it's kind of a more broad introduction to um, theatre in terms of both the practical and the theory mm-hmm. um, elements and introduction to some of the key names throughout theatre's history, like Brecht and yeah. right, right the way back to ancient Greece and mm-hmm. right the way forward to, I don't know when that unit stops. Uh, yeah, 110's all about ancient, and it goes all the way up to, I think, the 1800s, because it included Hedda Gabler, which yeah, is Yeah, Hedda Gabler, Henry Gibson, and then 111's uh, your Brecht's and your, um, throughout most of the 20th century, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you, as you as you go through, uh, units get more specialised, so um, by third year you can do 333, which is your the unit where they actually direct a short production mm-hmm. um if you go into honors you can actually direct a more large-scale production um and in between there's there's units that specialize in acting in um theory in writing in directing in and that sort of thing yeah. and it's sort of you it's up to you how you put that path together there's requirements that you've got to meet to get the degree but you can kind of you can mix and match or you can follow a particular path if you have a particular interest um, and you also mix and match that with electives as well, which is really helpful because you can add in writing units if uh, in English literature, if that's 
where you want to go. If you're um, interested in um, like acting for film, you can put in a lot of film and communications units in there as well. That adds another thing in as well about that uh, new degree that's this year. Oh, sorry, next year or yes. the year after? Yes, I'm not sure if it's next year or the year after, but there is a new degree coming about. Um, having I've, I've only briefly looked at it, so I'm not going to pretend to be any sort of expert. <laughs> no. But from what I've seen, it's um, pretty much just... There's there's nothing in terms of new units or new courses or anything. It's simply a um, a specialized degree in both acting and screen media and communications. Yeah. So they've kind of blended the two and enabled you to get to a, get a specific degree. Yeah. Um, theater and film studies. Doing both theater and film studies at the same time instead of um, mixing and matching by yourself to get a bachelor of arts. So that is available if you are a future student. Um, that is, I'm not sure if it's going to be available next year or the year after. Um, typing as we speak. But yes, just, Tyrone's okay. going to find out. I just have a question. So um, how you're saying about what you do more specialized, how you choose more specialized during the third year and stuff like that. Does what you do in your later years determine what you're going to do for your honours? No, uh, no, not necessarily, no. Um, so honours... Again, I'm, I'm not an expert on honors because I'm not. I'm still a year away from doing them if I even choose to do them. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's more self-driven work. So it's self-driven research, self-driven. Um, what Eva's done is put on a production, and that's part of her research. That was all self-driven with the guidance of her um, lecturers. I believe she worked with Julie. Yeah, um, you basically um, just have to get approved by someone who's actually, who's going to look over the whole project with you if they think that your grades have been high enough or that you're self-driven enough. So in the equivalent of um, uh, the HSC, it's your English Extension 2. It's, okay. your, um, <laughs> it's your self-driven project under the supervision of a teacher rather than a class that is structured the way... Um, your, your courses will be for the first three years. Um, and no, it doesn't necessarily affect it. Even um, I've mo- mainly focused on acting and directing units and um, having picked now my units for the, my last year as well, that's the path I'm going on, particularly directing. Mm-hmm. But um, it's that doesn't mean anything in terms of if I then had to pick more units, I can go and do some script writing units or I can do anything else and it doesn't um weigh in either on um the degree itself or what jobs i'm likely to get after i graduate with that degree it's it's just you choosing a path with what interests you and also just checking with the honors uh, sorry is it is the honors usually just one big project that you'll do and then you'll write stuff about that i believe so it's one large research yes. dissertation you okay. don't have to do a production it can take different forms. yes it can it can take different forms but it all comes together as one kind of big project so eva's done the production then she also has to do her dissertation on yes. it and and that, and that sort of thing but it's all kind of part of the one big research project that's taken her okay that's the only ones that, are tight that i've seen here in my four years is writing and directing your own production which understandably would be the most yeah. popular beneficial as well probably okay. hmm. all right well uh we're going to go to a song uh and we'll be right back with you i'm going to invite uh my good friend ben into the studio and we're going to talk about a couple of movies that we've seen i literally sprinted back from the cinema uh just before the show and uh, ben saw one earlier in the week so we'll be right back with you to talk about that you're listening to 106.9 tune fm's anthology this is side to side by ariana grande 
fresh type of flow. Wrist icicle, ride deck bicycle. Come true, yo. Get you this type of blow. If you wanna manage, I gotta try suck out. All these bitches froze is my mini me. Maddy smoking, so they call me young Nicky Chimney. Rappers in they feelings, cause they feeling me. I give zero fucks and I got zero chillin' me, kissin' me. Cop the blue box that say Tiffany. Curry with the shot, just tell him to call me Stephanie. Gun pop, then I make my gun pop. I'm the queen of rap, young Ariana Run Pop. These friends keep talking way too much. Say I should give them up. Can't hear them no, cause I... Side to Side by Ariana Grande. You're listening to Anthology Season 2, Volume 1 here on 106.9 Tune FM. And we're joined in the studio now by Ben, who is our resident movie expert. Uh, Thank you. You flatter me. And uh, he and I are going to talk about a couple of movies that we have seen. Ben's picked a... Is it an older one? No, it's not an older one. It was released last, uh, September this year. September this year, okay. And uh, I've just literally sprinted back from the cinema. Yes. So um, You cut it very fine, I might say. Oh, I actually had to leave before the end of the movie. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, um, yeah that's it was a, I didn't realise that it was a two and a half hour movie. Well, I looked at when I saw that it started at 4.10 and the show started at 7 and it said 155 minutes running time and I was thinking... Okay, this is going to be close. Yeah, no, I re- I realized when looking at the ticket, and I was like, I'll just I'll just scram at like six thirty ish. But um, yeah. Anyway, I've managed to develop opinions on it. That's ben, good to hear. You uh you you can kick us off though, Ben. Okie dokie. So the film that I re- chose to review was a film that I watched only recently for the first time, and that is the film K through twelve. And K through twelve is a uh, concept movie um, to go alongside a concept album by the American singer and artist Melanie Martinez. I'm a huge fan of her work. I think her albums are very, very good. This is her second album, and I think that um, all of her songs have a very good message, and they are very, very good songs. They're good to listen to. I was, however, very skeptical when I heard about the film being made because, in my experience, I've only ever li- I've only ever witnessed one film made by an artist or a band that was half decent so i was very much hoping it was going to be good i really wanted to enjoy it because i'm a huge fan of hers and i really wanted it to be a triumphant return because she's been away from the spotlight for the last four years following the release of her initial album in 2015. that's the backstory forgive the meow in the background that was my cat um (laughs) so just we'll just throw that right out there um uh, yes so I, like I said, I very much wanted it to be good, and I went in watching this 85-minute long movie hoping that I would have a positive opinion coming out of it. It sucked. Aye, aye, aye. And, I, and let me give you a quick breakdown as to why. The soundtrack and the sound, terrific, because it is completely focused on um, the, uh, Melanie's music from the latest album. The problem is, rather than take a film, rather than make a film with a coherent plot 
and base the soundtrack behind it to enhance the plot, enhance the movie, what she essentially did was take 13 music videos and stitch them together with dialogue in between. Now, compare that, and this is the movie that was made by a band that I quite enjoy. It's called Imaginarium by Nightwish. Obviously, it's biased because they're my favorite band, but they took a movie idea, they wrote a really good plot, they had a fantastic story, and they used their music from the album as a soundtrack, as a score to enhance what the movie was trying to get across. It, the, the album and the music was not the focal point of the movie, which is what Melanie, I think, needed to, do, needed to do. Excuse me. I think the main issue I had was that the plot was almost incomprehensible. The basic plot was a girl called Crybaby, played by Melanie, and her best friend Angelita went to a boarding school where they uh, were forced to go up against... Uh, tyranny in the school it was very much a metaphor for you know the i think the current political climate in america and the best example i think i can use to highlight how incoherent the plot was was at one stage unbeknownst of nothing the main character has just discovered that um two of her friends have super psychological powers supernatural powers and right after this revelation it cuts to a music it essentially cuts to the main character singing at the camera as if she was in a music video there is no connection to anything there is no reason for it to be there and it the plot it feels like the movie is trying to go in six different directions at once and then doesn't know how to do any of them so the plot is very very limited it is very flawed you don't actually know who the main antagonist is and after a while you actually or at least i was struggling to exactly figure out what the storylines were or what was going on um, there was actually a rather interesting scene where, spoiler alert, the main, the main, I guess, antagonist in the first half of the movie, the principal of this evil school, gets murdered by all of the kids. Yeah, that, uh, wow. yeah, spoiler alert, but that happens. So he gets murdered, and then the, whenever Mel- whenever Crybaby gets in trouble, that's Melanie's character. Her guardian angel Lilith appears to give her advice, which reminded me of Jason and the Argonauts in a way. The famous uh, movie where had a the statue that would give advice to Jason whenever he needed it. That's what continuously was stuck in my mind. And I'm really trying to figure out how I'm going to edit out all of these meows when this gets podcasted. Um, so I believe Don't worry about, it. Don't worry about it. It's character. It's a background. We're, we're, we're getting a bit of ambience going. Yes, I am John Tron and Pennywise is my Jax. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I sort of... I wanted to give the film, even though I I realised that opinions about films can't always be represented numerically, I wanted to try and break down the film into five different components, and that was cinematography, visuals, soundtrack, acting, and the story, or the plot itself. Cinematography gets a 4 out of 10 because it does look like a very amateurishly shot film. Obviously, it's an artist who did a lot, produced the, uh, the film herself, did a lot of the work herself, and didn't really, you know, I don't think she... I don't think she quite understood the ins and outs of filmmaking. So it suffered there. Visuals, 7 out of 10 because it was visually appealing. There was a lot of pretty scenery. It was at least well done there. Soundtrack, 8 out of 10 because the album is very, very good. Um, Unfortunately, that's the last real positive thing I have to say about it. The acting was 5 out of 10 because while Melanie was somewhat passable, the supporting cast were 
pretty terrible. And the storyline three, because like I said, after a while you couldn't even really follow what was going on or make sense of anything, which pretty much gives it a, to a total of 29 out of 50, 5 out of 10 or 58, uh, 5 point out of 10 or 58%, which is just a barely pass, but that's only because the visuals and the soundtrack were quite enjoyable. And I think I'd like, a reason I wanted to talk about this one is because I think it sends a warning to artists that do try and jump into a field that they're not used to. It's not going to be as easy as you think. And the power or success or quality of an album cannot alone make a film. And I think that's what, um, Mel I think Melanie thought that the album would help the film stand up, but it just, in anything, it took away from what the film was. So I was very disappointed, and as someone that is a fan of Melanie's, I thought that it could have been a lot better than what it was. So I did not uh, leave that. Uh, it was obviously, uh, it was released on YouTube, although it did have a, a cinematic release, including in Australia, in um, an event cinemas in Sydney actually screened it for a night. So it was a legitimate thing, and she put about $6 million of her own money into it, but I can't say much more positive things about it than that. Well... I feel a lot more positive. So you, um, you enjoyed um, Ford vs. Ferrari. Yeah, so I went to see Ford v. Ferrari, which I went in. Um, I'd heard good things because I tend to follow IMDb and all those sorts of um, social media who will give you an idea of what a, a movie's like. And I'd heard really good things, but I am a little bit cynical about things that are like motor racing movies or or that sort of thing because they have a tendency to go one way and it's just let's show some cars on the screen and get everybody who loves cars r really going um almost like sort of they know their demographic they well that's and that's what i want to say is that this film's greatest strength and also its greatest weakness so it's directed by james mangold um who did uh logan i believe oh, um I'm just going to actually get up his cinematography because he's uh, his uh, filmography because he's done uh, quite a bit recently. Yeah, Logan, um, Night and Day, Three Ten to Yuma. He's kind of really rising to popularity at the moment. Um, so he, it, it also stars Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Um, I will say Christian Bale is really the highlight of this film. He's very very good. Um, he, he really personifies a character and it's it's quite excellent but i i will say that the the film's greatest strength and its greatest weakness is that it tried to play to both demographics it tried to be you know a well thought out well written well acted film with a real human element while at the same time being like well we know that the people who are going to come and watch this movie are going to be rev heads and we need a little bit of car porn in there basically <laughs> to um to appeal to them and it was it was the film's greatest strength because in the end i actually cared about the car races i cared about you know is he going to win it was there were moments where i thought you know this is this is almost this generation's kind of top gun or days of thunder where you actually there's enough of a human element to this story about just machines that you kind of by the end of it, you're you're really engrossed in it, and there's there's a lot of really great emotional moments, a lot of really well shot moments. The whole film has a really great aesthetic um, that that I really loved. I, visually, it was it was fantastic. As I said, Christian Bale in particular was excellent. Matt Damon, pretty good. Um, his accent got a bit annoying because it was he was putting on a Southern American accent, which was good, um, but 
when you've seen enough Matt Damon and you you just like it's just Matt Damon speaking like a redneck. It's yeah. just annoying. But um, it was also where the film kind of fell on its face a little bit as well because they just they just get ca- caught up in a, a bit too much of the the kind of car porn stuff. The kind of there was a lot of time the pacing, particularly through the the transitions in between the acts. Um, it, it kind of did follow a three-act structure and the transitions between those acts kind of felt really gluggy, felt really... Everything felt like it was going too slow. There were bits that kind of skipped over um, what felt like more significant plot points than they turned out to be. And then there were bits that dwelled on just absolutely nothing because essentially they wanted to get in more shots of gear changes and tires squealing and that sort of thing. So overall, I, I w- I'm going for about... I mean, it had 90-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so I was like, you know, maybe this will convert me to um, liking the, these kinds of films a bit more. But I, I'm going to go for a 7 out of 10. Um, definitely go and watch it if you're into a, a good kind of true story drama because it it does have a human element and it does feel um, feel genuine, feel good. It feels well written. It feels well acted. It feels... Um, it feels like it genuinely attempted to tell a true story in a really powerful way but there is just a bit where it, it just gets a little bit too caught up in going we want to be oscar worthy while at the same time also getting all these all these motorsport fans going so um yeah seven out of ten um if you like motorsport or if you if you're a fan of a true story drama go and watch it it's, it's pretty good um yeah so obviously uh, you favored your movie a lot more than i favored mine well I, i'm i'm quite happy in the end it seems like we've gone the opposite ways because i went and saw ford v ferrari going i know where this is gonna go and i was very cynical about it but um it turned out it turned out pretty good i was happy it seems like you've gone the opposite way well yeah i went in thinking i went in very cautious because i realized okay i this could be disastrous or she could pull it out of the fire and make it something remarkable and it sort of went more the first direction and i'd like to just say even though i gave it that rating of 5.8 out of 10 um breaking down to those five components personal enjoyment factor in terms of how much I actually enjoyed watching the movie that would be closer to a three or a four oh. purely because i i have a issue when it comes to things like this happening i think a film if you're going to make a film it needs to be a film it can't just be a mu- uh, sequence of music videos that are crudely stitched together with dialogue and background characters. Because if I want that, I'll go and watch your YouTube videos. Exactly. Your, I'll go and watch your music videos on exactly. YouTube. So, like it's uh, yeah, not in terms of being a well-made film. I think five to six is, out of ten is fairly justifiable. How much enjoyment I got out of it? Yeah, I'd say about a three. Well, hopefully next week we'll come back with some absolute belters of movies. Do you um, know what you're going to be reviewing next week? Well, I originally planned on uh, going to see the new Terminator movie but for similar reasons because I was very, very cynical when it came out. I was like, really? Another Terminator movie? <laughs> of course. And the general critics' consensus I've got has been very positive. So I was I was a bit like, oh, well, that'll be another one that'll be challenging for me. I'll sit through another Terminator movie and go, you know what? Actually, that was pretty good. Mm. But um, it appears that Belgrave is not showing it next week. Um, so I'm tossing up whether I bite the bullet and go and watch Charlie's Angels, which Ooh. I'm not liking the sounds of. No. I do like talking talking crap about movies that I don't like, so yeah. it could be all right. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but there's a couple of others there. Um, but generally, 
I, there's not many besides maybe Judy, which unfortunately is coming to the end of its run yeah. um, that I'm, I'm true interested in. So we'll be waiting for when I can get my fanboy boots on and talk about Last Skywalker and yes. Rise of Skywalker, sorry, and... Um, I feel like for that, that sort of thing. when that comes out, we may just have to like we'll both do a review on it. We'll both give our own takes because I think it'll be a, it'll whoever, be like a anthology four hour special of when oh, we when we just special. rant about whether it was either very good or very bad. We'll see that, and we'll have another four hour special in March and we'll discuss the Oscar nominees and who should win and who should not. <laughs> We're doing that, by the way. I've, we I've, better be yeah. We better be live broadcasting. <laughs> Oscar ceremony. I wanted to do that this year, but things got what? in the way. We'll be, we'll be live. I, I'm, I'm promising it now. I'm, I'm holding you to this. We're going to do fine. a live broadcast Deal. during the Oscars. And as for me, I um, will. I, there was a film I wanted to review for next week, but unfortunately, given it's, it's, um, it is a R-rated film and it is rather intense in its content, so I don't think that's going to be suitable to discuss on air. So instead, I was, I'm going to review a film that I have always had a personal interest in seeing but have never actually watched all the way through and that is 300 the Zack Snyder film about the Battle of Thermopylae the Spartans versus the Persians I'm looking forward to it and I'm very intrigued to see what it's going to be like knowing Zack Snyder and his style of filmmaking I'm a little <laughs> bit nervous because I'm call it that I'm not a big fan of slow-mo and I feel like it's going to be very over the top with slow-mo but it is considered a classic and has got some very good reviews, so I'm slightly optimistic about it. Well, looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it, because I have seen 300. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. This is Anthology, and we're going to play a song. We'll be right back with you when we're going to be talking some more acting stuff and, uh, yeah, all that jazz. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM.
Ocean Drive by Duke Dumont. You're listening to Anthology on 106.9 Tune FM, where we just had a very heated discussion about whether Avatar's a good movie or not. <laughs> um, it's not, is the answer. No. <laughs> it's really not. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, getting into character. It's an important thing for an actor. I've been uh, in discussion. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to get them for an interview just yet, but um, that will happen in the coming weeks. Uh, we've been talking with Tamworth Dramatic Society, who just recently closed their um, touring show, um, I Am My Own Wife, which uh, if you are interested in uh, what that show was about, uh, it featured one actor playing over 30 characters, and it's the uh, story of a trans woman uh, in 19. 40s Poland, I want to say. Um, it might be 30s, so don't quote me on that. But um, it's it's a very it's very fascinating in the way that it's done. In that this one char- actor does play all of these characters, so it brought up the question, and we'll we will discuss it again in the future when I I do finally, um, and, and blessed by their presence on air, um, getting into character. Um, yes. How do you do it? How do you not do it? What about if it's a tricky character? Let's let's talk about it. Tyrone. Hi. When you act, how do you what do you do to get into character? Um, I guess if I had to put a label on it, I associate closely with uh, Meisner techniques, where uh, I sort of walk around the space and I start thinking about my different body parts and I start thinking about how that body part is uh, not me, and uh, basically using the body to try and get into the headspace psyche of the character if that makes sense Mm. you did that with us in some explicit polaroids building the character from the ground up yes i use that for myself as well (laughs) it is it is very helpful so essentially what you do is you you build um going through body parts starting with your feet all the way up to to your head and you kind of um try to hold those particular body parts in the way that your character holds them so that partway through the exercise half of you will be the char- in character and half of you is just normal you and it, what it really gets you to do is focus on each individual body part um how the character holds it that way why is a big thing as exactly. well like you gotta think about the uh psychological aspect of that yeah so if, you, if your character clenches their fists why is it because they're constantly angry with the world is it because they're um getting ready for a fight like what what is it that makes you want to clench your fists constantly as this character and it 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 really um helps you helps you focus in on that nick do you have any well i was just gonna say i i reckon that i personally have a very different approach to that to acting excellent that's what i love here is unique stuff (laughs) i i'm much more of a sort of theory side of it i like to when i'm going into a character I'm very much for research. I like to mm. think about what what the time period, what the setting, and understand that like what would any person sort of be like in that situation. Then I like to think. Um, then I like to look at what I actually have to work with, and then work from it there. So like. In the script, what does it say that my character is saying about myself? Mm-hmm. What are other characters saying about me? And what is my role in the play as a whole? Um, how do I relate to the protagonist? And am I a comic relief, romantic interest, stuff like that? And mm. um, yeah, and I, I also like to do like with that. I like to when I'm actually performing, I like to do a lot of mental stuff. So it's like, um, I understand that it can be a bit irritating for actors aside me, 
because I'll sort of, I like to constantly keep myself on my feet. And so I'll constantly be changing up how I'm saying things and different deliveries. But it's um, good in a rehearsal process just to try and play around while you can before you yeah. try and settle into stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly if there's a line that has a delivery that just really works and you want to stick to that for the oh. whole run, it's great to it's great to be doing that in the rehearsal process. And even if it is throwing other actors off a little bit, mm. you that's that's when you need to be bringing that stuff out. Mm. And but like I personally like to like even. So I'll, I'll, of course, have those lines that I'm going to deliver in the specific way. But for some of the more throwaway lines, I'll be mm. constantly playing around with it even while we're performing. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Through the run. It's interesting that you had mentioned the, the research and actually looking at the script. The, the last character that I played, which was in BlackRock, um, it's really important to read the script really deep because this character that I had looked like a really throwaway two-dimensional kind of character the first time I read the play. I was like, well, there's nothing here. He has one sole purpose in this play and I'm going to be playing a stereotype the whole time. But you read it and there were all of these just little throwaway details that were just mentioned by another character or that my character mentioned in passing that when you actually read into what they were saying, that it, that was significant. That was, you know, um, in, in this particular instance, it, it revealed that he had a troubled childhood. Uh, it revealed that he'd been through some pretty traumatic experience, experiences relatively recently. And that kind of played into it, even though that was a really important part of how I built my character, even though in the script, it's mentioned as a throwaway thing in the first kind of scene. Um, so it, it's really important with how you build... Um, that character uh, that that you do know the script you do know not just what your not just your lines but the whole script you've got to know what's said to your character by your character about your character everything um, so so a lot of reading and a lot of research does go a long way and I do also just want to say that um, if if your character doesn't have like a for example, ensemble characters. I absolutely love performing in an ensemble because you get... Well, for early actors, it's a chance to be on the stage and experience it. But also, if, you're, if you've got a character that doesn't, doesn't say about a backstory or anything like that, create one. Like, mm. yeah, I like to just... If I'm doing an ensemble character, I'll just write down random notes that I'm making up about the character as I'm going along. Mm. But... um. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. If you have that backstory, you know, uh, you, well, you can build how characters would respond to particular situations, like what emotion is, is coming into, into those lines because you know what you're actually saying mm. rather exactly. than just in words. It's what's actually being said. What, what is the subtext behind this? Mm. Exactly. What about in the instance of particularly difficult characters? And I'm going to go back to BlackRock again, and I know this applied to a few of us, mm -hmm. um, particularly given the subject matter of BlackRock, that there were a few characters who morally, ethically, um, and in terms of their, their mental health and persona, were quite troubling characters to perform as. Um, I don't know what, what your guys' experience is like playing characters who might be a little bit morally inept or corrupt or that or, or that sort of thing um what i guess is is there a different approach do you think to getting into character um where that's concerned as opposed to getting into a character for say a musical where it's a little bit more light-hearted or if you're getting into a into the persona of a hero who's 
just such a goody two shoes <laughs> or something like that. Is, is there a different approach that needs to be taken to that? I think it's just about taking a more careful approach. I think you can still take the same approach, like the building in the body, like I was saying earlier, as long as you, uh, as an actor, are able to keep that in your body and not in your head and not let it get into your head too much. Um, that's a big thing with uh, method acting. You gotta make sure that you can, uh, you can draw from your own experience, but not to a level that it affects you as an actor. Mm. Um, so no, I don't think so. I, I was just gonna say that I feel that it's, you kind of briefly spoke about something that I was just gonna say about uh, sort of when you're acting, having a scale between being having your character be human and have your character be sort of like a caricature. Mm. And I feel that you definitely, with more serious roles, you just need to make sure, because me, for example, I like to start off with a caricature and sort of take it back a bit. Mm. Um, and I feel that for more serious roles, it's making sure that you take it back quicker than you would usually sort of thing. Mm. And yeah, in, in, in a case like BlackRock or like some explicit Polaroids where there is serious subject matter, that is important as well, that mm. um, you're not up there playing a caricature um, when it comes to performance time because it really does take away a lot from the subject matter if you can't take the characters seriously. Yeah. And especially yeah. if you're almost mocking your characters. Yeah. 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 Which in that instance, particularly earlier on before I'd done the research and kind of... Um, worked out where all of this came from for this character, it had a tendency to be that way. It had a tendency to be a bit of a caricature of a an idiotic teenage boy who's trying to impress the boys. Mm. Like it was... Um, and particularly what I'd say about getting into, into those characters is what Tyrone touched on is you've got to be able to separate using your experience and making the character your experience because um, you've got to have a degree of separation because it it sounds like a, a cliche or a, a kind of horror story, but it can affect you. It really can. And um, it, it's it's a difficult it's difficult to put yourself into somebody else's mind space, even if that somebody else is fictional yeah. and um, and just walk away and be like, okay, that's cool. another day done. I think it also comes down to a good director and a good, cast as well about uh, keeping good energy, sort of good vibes in the rehearsal space because if you've got a bad energy in there, then you can be taking all that to heart as well. You need the director to be able to talk about all the serious matter and take it seriously when it needs to be. Support your cast members, support your fellow cast members. And I was also just gonna quickly say, uh, for anybody that's like thinking of entering acting and stuff like that, uh, do make sure that you've got a sense of self before going into other characters mm. because you don't want to become your characters. Yeah, yeah. particularly if you're acting with a new um, a new bunch of people that you haven't met before. It's, it's a less of a problem if you already know the people that you're acting alongside. But um, I know I specifically have a tendency to, if I'm acting with a bunch of people that I don't know, the character does leak into the way that I then interact with them mm. outside. If I'm, if I'm a comic relief character, and I'm getting my energy on stage from the the other people in the rehearsal laughing at those moments, then I have a tendency to want to get off stage and still be making them laugh, even when it's not exactly. natural to do so. Um, 
so that that's something you got to take into account as well. You've got to have a degree of separation between yourself and the character. It's um, even in the case where they're not difficult characters, where it is just a comic relief, or it is, or you are playing a protagonist who's the good guy and a really likable kind of character. Yeah, you you've got to you've got to know who you are as well. It's just proper mental health. Exactly. Mm. Take care of your mental health, everyone. That's mm. that's the important message here. It's um it's it's up there on my screen right now. Actually, no <laughs> lie, is uh, an advertisement for the New South Wales Mental Health Line oh. is up here on my prompter. So um, I'm gonna read it. Sometimes life is difficult and you find yourself going through a rough patch. Thankfully, the New South Wales Mental Health Line can help. It gives you easy access to professional help 24/7. If you need some help, please reach out to 1-800-011-511. There you go. I did a good thing. Nice. I used the show for good. Woo. We might go to a song and we'll come back. Um, I might need two songs because this song is only three and a half minutes long, but we'll see how we go. I'm going to run and get some iPads for these two because we're going to do a cold read Woo. of a okay. script that I found online and I don't know if it's any good. <laughs> we're going to find out. You're listening to Anthology on 106.9 Chin FM. This is Body Back by Griffin.
This is a reading of The Waiting Room by D.M. Larson. Where am I? A waiting room. Uh, What kind of waiting room? I'm not sure. Why is this taking so long? He's been here a while. I don't understand why we're just sitting here. There's no receptionist, no sign-in sheet, no intercom, nothing. Take it easy. We'll figure it out. Take it easy. You just got here. I've been waiting here forever. Not quite. See, I was here before you and... Shut up. I'm sick of hearing you talk. Sorry. Shut it. Getting upset isn't going to solve this. If we... If we what? Get superpowers and walk through a wall or fly? That's weird. There's no ceiling. Kind of just goes up and up and up and... Shut up. Whoa, it got darker. Interesting. Nice to meet you. My name is Gil. It got lighter again. Nice to meet you, Gil. Lighter again. What are you freaks doing? Oh, darker. We're just examining our surroundings, seeing if there are any clues that can help us get out of here. It's useless. We've tried everything. So how did we get in here? Good question. Do you think there was a door or something? Did you see me come in? You were kind of just there. Same with him. I'm not sure where I came from either. What's the last thing you remember? Uh, Ralph, the insurance salesman. Uh, For some reason, I just keep seeing Ralph. Me too. He was selling me insurance. That's who I remember too. We were talking. And Mindy. I remember Mindy. Yes, Mindy too. Who's Mindy? So we all remember Ralph. I bet he did this to us. I knew he was no good. He helped me. What? He helped me and my family. He made sure they were taken care of. I have this wonderful feeling that my family is safe and secure and have everything they need. Except you. Except me. Wow. That mood ceiling is all over the place. What if we work together? What if we all try to make the ceiling as bright as possible? What about making it as dark as possible? I have a feeling making it lighter is better. Well, we can all be as nice as possible to each other and think good things. Sure, let's do a group hug. Ha, forget it. How about we all punch each other and I take one of these chairs and beat you until you're dead? Uh, Take it easy, Pete. Wait. Don't come any closer. I don't want to fight you. I am sick and tired of nothing happening. I want something to happen. I want out of here. I understand what you were saying. We all want out of here, but we all want to find a way out. What is this place? Why are we all trapped here? Uh, Maybe if this is some sort of challenge. Maybe this is a survivor kind of thing. Last man standing. Winner takes all. Yes, it does seem strange, like a test or puzzle. I hate not being in control. Always the one in control. I'm always the one with the plan who knows what to do. I hate this. You're a leader. I'm sorry if I tried to take it away from you. I'm really sorry. I always had the answers. I was always the one that everyone looked to. I was like a shepherd guiding my flock, leading everyone to a better life. That's what good leaders do. Let's start over, okay? My name's Max. Max Scrag. Pete. Pete Masters. And I'm Gil. Gil Paulson. So, Pete, 
What do you think we should do? Ralph. What does Ralph have to do with all this? He's what we have in common. You're right. He is the strange connection we all have. He did something to me. I have this feeling he did something to me, too. Why can't I remember? Well, he helped me. But what if he didn't? What if he lied to you and took all your insurance money for himself? Oh, that would be pretty bad. My poor family. He... he shot me. I... I remember now. He shot me! Yes! And he shot me too. He's a killer? But he seems so nice. And devious. I, I was supposed to stop him. I was supposed to be the one to stop him. Well, I hope my family is okay. Maybe we're waiting for him. Maybe we're in this waiting room, waiting for him to arrive, waiting for justice. We will be the judge, jury, and executioners. I can wait forever now, wait for his demise, wait for that moment his life ends and he comes here to face his sins. Oh. That's the end of the play. We're going to go to another song, and we will be right back. Actually, I'm going to play a song from another musical that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, This one happens to be on in Melbourne at the moment. I'm stalling because I forgot to get it up. Oh, no. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. This is a song from Come From Away. This is Me in the Sky. must have thought they had a crazy kid cause I was one of those kids who always knew what I wanted they took me down to the airport to see all the planes departing watching them fly something inside of me was starting I was eight when I told them that I'd be a pilot But I was too young and too short And there were no female captains And my dad said be patient He said just see what happens But I took my first lesson Came down from the sky And told my father I'd fly for the rest of my life And I got my first job Flying for a mortician In a tiny bonanza Just a corpse and me Five dollars an hour For flying dead bodies I had to climb over their faces Just to get to my seat Are you better than us? Do you 
That was Me and the Sky from Come From Away. You are listening to 106.9 Tune FM's Anthology. Now, normally, this would be uh, a new segment that I'm introducing. It'll be starting from next week. And what we're going to be doing for you uh, UNE Theatre students out there, uh, we're going to have a series of interviews with UNE Theatre alumni who are currently out in the world doing theatre stuff. Um, in various different areas and we're going to talk to them about their time at UNE and what they're doing now and uh, the the path that they kind of followed to get there so um, you'll have some good inspiration and some living proof that um, you're going somewhere with your life <laughs> we promise we promise even though this is a vi- an industry in which it is very easy to think that you're not um, so hopefully we'll get some uh, pretty inspiring interviews. Um, I'm in contact with some already. Unfortunately, we couldn't line uh, one up for this week because I did. Uh, it was pretty short notice that I was even going to be running this show this week. So um, that will be starting from next week. But in the meantime, we're going to have a bit of a, a discussion that's a hot topic in theatre at the moment. Ooh, um, hot topic. It is a hot topic. Uh, there's been a lot of talk and debate about Broadway potentially filming their shows particularly their musicals um and whether they should do that and whether um there's people on both sides of the fence about whether that would improve their market or destroy it completely and um the the obvious follow-on from that argument is in the meantime while broadway's not doing that bootlegging we'll start off with the with the broadway should broadway or should broadway not be filming their um their musicals and putting them online on streaming services? Well, I feel that it, it'd be a great thing for them to actually film it and put some sort of monetary thing on it. I feel that that would be great for everyone, but just as long as it isn't too unapproachable to the general public. Mm. Um, yeah. How do you mean unapproachable? 
Like, I, I just as long as, because I, I know that there are a lot of, like, companies that would be like, oh, we've done this um, show on this big sort of stage, Broadway. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, uh, congrats to them. But just don't put, like, the same amount of monetary uh, thing yes, on it that you would put on it mm-hmm. as, like, a exactly. movie, for example. It's not, yeah, and it's not the same as seeing it live no. or theatre. It, de- it, it definitely should not cost you as much to see it online as it would cost to get tickets. No. Is exactly. what you're kind of saying. That's what yeah. I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. I do see the, the reason that there needs to be money for it, though, because particularly if they do allow it and it becomes a professional standard of filming, um, there comes a point where you ask, and this is what the other side of the fence argue, is um, why would you go? Why would you spend that money to go and see it in Broadway, especially if the filming quality becomes better? Um, when you can just watch it for free, if not chicken chips, um, online a bit later. I don't. I don't feel that that's ever going to be the case because seeing live theatre is much different to seeing this show, uh, seeing a show on film. Exactly. And um, yeah, sorry, were you going to say something? Oh, just encouraging. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you go. <laughs> but I, I think a positive like. One of the positive sides to actually doing it is that it creates this great record of um, works for both the actors mm-hmm. on stage, the directors, and um, just archival history in general of theatre. That's a really mm. good point about the directors and actors, about having mm. something that you can show uh, a future employer anyway. Mm. I'm thinking now about everything I've done. I'm like, I don't have a lot mm. video to show anyone. And you can add it all to your showreel. Exactly. And going back to the point about it's better live, I mean, we get free-to-air broadcasts of pretty much all sports. It's free for us to watch. If you're a sports fan and you want to watch your your team, it's pretty much free to watch every single game um, with the way TV works. But you still occasionally buy tickets and go and watch them, don't you? It's. I, I don't think there is really an argument that people would stop going to Broadway shows because they could watch them online. Like... I was just going to say, like, for example, take um, something like The Lion King, for example. You, you're still going to go see it on stage, even though you've seen the movie and you know the plot. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're still going to go see it. I, I mean, there's there's musicals that I have seen on stage that I will still spend good money to go and see in mm. a different theater or by a different uh, cast or anything like that. It's I don't. Yeah. I don't legitimately think that um, that Broadway would be losing any money out of it. Also, I just want to say, as a piece of evidence for this case, um, National Theatre Live, uh, they yes. have been filming their shows for a while now, and yeah, they they put it, yeah, they put it behind a ge- like a generous paywall that's productive to the team that make it, but it's also approachable. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it's in, I believe it's in the ballpark of around ten. I think it's around about there for home copies. Um, I'm not sure about the home copies. Yeah, I know that Belgrave Cinema makes them a um, makes an event out of them, and oh, they've, yeah. they've been doing those. I know that that's a little bit more pricey because oh, they, yeah. you see it on a big screen and that sort of thing. But you'd probably be about right, about ten to ten for. A, I, I, I think it's I think it's around about yeah ten or something below that I feel for getting it to because I I remember a while back I we had a watching of Twelfth Night 
where we watched a National Theatre Live copy on um, a screen. But yeah, I. But yeah, I think it's around about that sort of ballpark. That is good evidence, though. Yeah. I mm. think. And I think, particularly with us in in Armadale, we are the case in point of why this would be a good thing because. Mm. Let's be honest, if we go to New York, we're, we're probably going to get to go to New York a few times in our lives. Um, and if we're lucky enough to get to see a Broadway show while we're there, that's fantastic. But um, there's there's limited accessibility to okay. professional theatre here. Um, I think that's my strongest point for it is just theatre uh, elitism being only a city thing where you've got all hmm. those country kids out here. Even to an extent, just the gap between here and Sydney. And I'm not disparaging the Sydney theatre community in any way. No, no. Um, in fact, I'm giving you a compliment. <laughs> I'm also not speaking down on Armadale's theatre community either, but there is a significant gap in quality and the level of professional productions that come to Armadale compared to the ones that are regularly on in Sydney. Mm. And it's quite a commitment to go down to Sydney to see a piece of theatre. Mm. So there's a bit of a, a barrier there to, um, to theatre students or theatre lovers in Armadale mm. um, that would probably be solved a little bit by having some sort of accessible way that we could watch it and also from another perspective um i feel that doing professional recordings like that would be great um inspiration for directors and choreographers and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh producers and stuff like all that to see like for example uh school shows like um i I'm just going to throw this out there. Like I've been working with O'Connor this year and they're working on Mary Poppins for next year. Mm. And um, just to be able to show uh, students like this is what you could be like. This is what the show could look like. It could look amazing. Sort of Mm, stuff like like that. Educational tool. Yeah, Mm. of course. So moving on to the other point of this debate then, in the meantime, while Broadway still hasn't, made up their minds and we still don't have a lot of theatre that's accessible um, with professional recordings, there is, of course, the trend of bootlegging them. Now, bootleg watching... I'm not going to say... Um, I think we all know what we think of the people who actually go to a show and bootleg it. Um, th- there's a pretty clear ethical dilemma with that. Yeah. But let's, let's put ourselves in our own shoes, actually. Let's say theatre lovers in Armidale don't have the money to go to New York, don't have the money to go to London, rarely have the money to go even to Sydney. Um, Is there an ethical dilemma with watching a bootlegged musical? I... Not much of a, a musical person. Let's say, let's even say a play for Tyrone's sake. <laughs> if there's, there's a play on. I'm I'm struggling to think of an example, but a play that's a, a big play that you really want to see right now, and it's only on in London, and you don't have the money or the means to get to London um, within its season, but someone has snuck a little camcorder in there and put it on YouTube. Do you feel like a bad person? Are you a bad person if you watched that? I I just, I feel that it would be a better situation if, like, for those videos that get put up on YouTube, like, not to sort of, I know that a lot of creators on YouTube sort of uh, slander against it, but demonetization. I Mm. feel that if something like that was demonetized, I feel that that would make it feel ethically better to well, yeah because the person like isn't that. isn't making money off exactly. it either but because they haven't they haven't put in the effort to and obviously it would it. be a better situation with what we were talking about earlier if we could ensure that the theater company was still making money out of it 
um, yeah. as well. That would obviously be the preferable situation, but... But in the meantime, mm. it's an ethical quandary. It yeah. is a quandary. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be upfront. I have watched bootlegged musicals. Um, Same here. Yeah, I, arrest me now. Um, <laughs> I've only watched Starkid, and I don't know if that... Starkid, Starkid puts, the, Starkid they, puts they, their they stuff go, online by themselves. So innocent. that's, yep. They are a lovely company. Um, that's legal. They did that themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I... And it was and it was in specific cases that they were large scale musicals that, um, at least at the time that I watched them, had no real uh, plans to be in Australia, mm. um, but were big and popular and really quite quite big influences on musical theatre at the time. Um, I think I see where you see where I'm going with this yes. kind of Hamilton kind of yep. level of things. And see, to me, looking at it from an outside outsider's perspective for me, I had no potential way of seeing mm. Hamilton legitimately. I had no way of ever getting there. Um, I don't remember whether or not the person who illegally filmed it had monetized it, so I don't know. I, I can't answer whether that, yep. was, that was all right. But to me, while it's probably not ideal, I don't think the person that watches the bootlegged musical the, is necessarily oh, a bad person. No, 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 definitely no. Um, I think particularly in that situation, like what what's my alternative? With uh, bigger companies, yeah, I mm. think if they're already quite successful, it's yeah, less of a thing. If it's a smaller company, then they might suffer yeah. more. But if it's yeah, if if you're if you're causing it a, a theater company to financially suffer, the, well then shame on you. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. Th I don't think Hamilton was having any issues <laughs> no, at the time. No. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a it's a moral dilemma. It's it's one that I've I've heard come up frequently. Yeah. Tell us what you think. Send us a message on the Facebook page, Tune FM one hundred six point nine, or actually, Theatre on Tune FM one hundred six point nine is my mm -hmm. uh, my own little Facebook page. Would love to hear what you have to say on the issue. Are people who watch bootlegged plays or musicals? bad people or doing a bad thing no i don't i don't think so <laughs> i'm on the fence <laughs> on the fence on the fence i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of sit on the fence i'm gonna say the person who watches it isn't doing a bad thing but oh. the person who filmed it did yes yes I'd we're in agreement there yeah mm. all right we might go to a song and then we'll come right back and we'll uh quickly sign off um I'm just going to put on a normal song for now because we're going to finish with a bit of a with a bit of a bang here. It's going to become a bit of a tradition. Uh, you're listening to 106.9 Gene FM's Anthology. We'll be right back to say goodnight to you very soon. This is Somebody to Love by One Republic. Never could imagine The way the story happened You were someone new Used to be a focus Now you don't even notice when I leave the room You ain't even trying to make me jealous But you can't help it You can't help it
comes easy Whenever it comes easy And I see it on your face And I don't want you to be lonely But right now I'm the only one who feels this way And I ain't even trying to make you miss me Make you miss me I know a history to love by one republic well it's been a pleasure to have tyrone and nick on the show for anthology season two volume one tonight no thanks guys it's been a pleasure make sure you tune back in uh every tuesday night from seven o'clock we're gonna have loads of fun uh and it's it's getting a bit more directed at specifically theater students this time around so if you are a theater student we're gonna have all the info that you need uh, and of course, all the fun discussions and stuff that we normally have as well. Um, it's been a pleasure. Don't miss the podcasts because they are going to be podcasted again. That should be up at some point tomorrow if you want to listen back or if you've missed part of the show tonight. <laughs> and um, thanks again, guys, for joining me. Aww. Anytime. Thank you. I'll be back if you want. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to have a... Um, I've decided it's going to be it's going to become a tradition that we go out with a bang and you'll see what exactly what I mean in just oh. a second. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. My name is Jake and uh, we'll see you next time. This is a song. Bye. I figured since I wrote a song about, you know, God and Jesus and all that, I would have to give the uh, opposition equal time. Since first man has walked this earth, I have been here To whisper seeds of doubt and evil thoughts into his ear I am the beast, the outcast angel fallen from on high I go by many names, but there is one you can't deny My name is Satan Hi everybody! Uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself My friend
friends all call me Old Scratch and I am a Capricorn. My turn-ons are romantic walks and killing the unborn. I've got little devil horns and a little goatee, little devil eyes to help a little devil see, and little cloven hooves make it kind of hard to ski. I'm Satan. <laughs> Mephistopheles for some, I don't know. My real name is Beelzebub, but you can call me Beals. I love to watch Fox News and then go club some baby seals. Then I'll take a bubble bath and drink a Zinfandel, try to wash off that baby seal smell, and then I'll make a toast to me. because I would not be caught dead in Georgia, okay? It's like, oh my God! Six, six, six.